Hello and welcome back to The Daily Royal, a podcast covering the daily events of all the European royals. So it is officially 2021. Uh, It is, as I'm recording this, January 1st. Um, You will be hearing this, I think, on the 2nd. Um, And so today's episode is just going to be kind of like a 2020 review. Like, here's all the stuff that went down in every single royal household. Um, Good stuff, bad stuff, really bad stuff. Um, And we're just kind of going to go through each country, uh, country by country, like this podcast is normally done, um, and just kind of talk about some have a lot more things and then, you know, I tried to average it around four things each, but it didn't always work out that way. Um, And we're just going to talk about, like, highlights, lowlights, just general news. I don't really want to label anything good or bad. I mean, there were things that were obviously good and things that were obviously not good. But then there are other pieces that are just kind of like, it made news. Um... So, we are going to get started with the Belgian royal family now. So, in Belgium, like I said, we're trying to keep this around four things each. Kind of hard to do in certain countries, honestly. Um, But Belgium is a country that, like, I loved following this year. Um, They were a country before 2020. I knew about, obviously. um, And I would follow bits and pieces of, but, like, doing this podcast, I followed seven royal families throughout their entire year kind of (laughs) missed a few days early on and then missed all of December, but that's okay. Um, but like I saw their whole year, um, and Belgium is a country that like I personally developed a different appreciation for than I had had going into this. Um, and a lot of that is because of what happened this year. Um, so I mentioned yesterday, that uh, 2020 got off to, like, a rough start for um, King Philippe and his family with the news of the official verdict of, um, this is still really weird to talk about, like, a year on, it's still, how do you talk about it appropriately? Um, But with the court judgment that... King Albert II, who is King Philippe's father, had a daughter from an extramarital affair. Um, And so that was in January. And that's kind of like where this started. And then in early October, um, it was decided by the courts that she would be able to use the title of princess, Um, as well as change her name to, I think it's Saxe-Coburg, which is the royal family name in Belgium, Um, as well as other places, but they're, I think they're the only ones that still go by Saxe-Coburg. 
or can at least. And that, you know, kind of was a defining moment. It was the way the Constitution was written as such. Um, Obviously, like, I think it's, I thought it was weird in January. Um, And then, you know, 10 months happened in 2020. And like, of course, this is her, like, she's the daughter of a former king. Of course, she gets to use princess. Like, it makes sense to me. I'm cool with it. Um, it doesn't matter if I'm cool with it or not, but, like, there's my personal opinion. Um, and one thing that, like, I enjoyed watching through this entire process is how well Philippe handled it. So he stayed really out of it, um, while the courts were making decisions. Um, he really abided by this whole, like, not influencing anything because he was king. Um, and so... Days after the decision was made by the courts of um, what Delphine's title would be and how she was able to use the princess title. So within days of this, um, I think that happened on October 1st, the judgment came down. And then a week later, I think, is when King Philippe met with his sister, who he had never met I don't think, at least that's the way it's been talked about, is that they had never met. Um, they've definitely, like, been in the same room and stuff like that, but I don't think they had ever formally met. Um, and so that happened, and it was widely just, like, categorized as a huge moment for him because it was just, he just did it. Like, it was not a big deal. He just accepted her into the fold, and, like, that was that. Um, and so he got a lot of credit for that, just, like, from the world, um, at least in terms of, like, the news media. Um, and then I would say, like, the other defining moment for him this year um, is we all know in June a black man was murdered by police officers Um And that sparked a long period of racial injustice protests. Um, The Black Lives Matter movement has been around for years, um, but this was the first time that I know of, and I pay attention a lot um, to this movement and, like, to these experiences Um, This is the first time it really was as captivating and also as international as it has, it was this year. Um, And so very shortly after that, um, because the movement had become more international, it was calling out countries for their colonial past, their racist past, Um, And Belgium is probably the worst example of that. Um, Years and, like, years, hundreds, over a hundred years ago, um, the then king of the Belgians, uh, I think it was King Leopold II, colonized what is now the Democratic Republic of Congo. 
Um, he colonized it under his name, not under Belgium, and used the people there for his own personal profit. Um, their living, their life conditions were horrendous, and um, it was just really bad. And Belgium has never apologized or anything along those lines. Um, and this year, King Philippe, on the anniversary of Congo's independence, um, while not officially apologizing, um, did send a letter. I think he probably does this every year, but did send a letter to the president of the Congo, um, where he expressed regret for the actions of his ancestors. Um, and like, that's just another thing. Like he just stepped up and did the best that he could do this year. And it was just like, amazing in the sense that he just did it. Um, you know, there was a lot of fanfare. There was a lot of talk about it. Um, and, you know, I've always found myself torn about whether he should have apologized or not. But, like, at the end of the day, I came down on the side of if it were, you know, more recent, maybe, um, if it were more direct descendant line again maybe um but one person is one person and their actions like I'm not responsible for my ancestors actions I don't know why he should be expected to be responsible um he did acknowledge the pain that Belgium caused on the Cong on the Congonese people um and, like, at the end of the day, I think that's what matters. So that was, like, another um, just really good effort. Um, Belgium has a lot of, like, horrible things turned really good. Um, that's just, like, the way their year was. Um, so the next two things were more current and, like, of the just year. Um, one is the amount of volunteering that this royal family did during the pandemic. Um, they were, I was, today I was looking through kind of like, um, making annual reviews and pictures to post on the website and they were the first royal family out there. They were the first ones in the senior centers doing what they could, um, you know, delivering flowers and baked goods and just like making sure people in senior centers were taken care of. Um, through what was, of course, a horrible isolation situation. Um, and then the phone calls, like, each member of that royal family, all six of them, made phone calls, uh, the kids included. Like, it was just, they did so much throughout the whole year. Um, even as part of, like, their Christmas holiday time, they were at senior centers doing work, um, you know, playing games and keeping people entertained and they were just on it with the volunteering and like the being there for the people in a way that not a lot of other countries were. Um, 
you know, and I never want to like say that blanket because maybe other royal families didn't publicize it or whatever. Um, but they were just there for their people. And I thought that was like the best thing. Um, and then the final thing, and this is like my personal favorite moment of 2020 for the Belgian royals is, um, the transition of Princess Elizabeth, Duchess of Brabant to like child to now adult. Um, so she turned 18 in 2019. Um, but she graduated from what is kind of high school, um, this year in May in a <laughs> online ceremony because COVID. And she started her like postgraduate studies um, in the Royal Military Academy in Brussels. Um, and it's just like this transition of, you know, her being kind of like your average Belgian teenager to now officially like preparing for her role as future queen. Um, and I just think, like, of course she's been that for, what, ten, almost ten years? No, it's, like, eight. Eight years? It'll be eight years this year. Like, she's been in that role for a long time. Um, but it's easier to hide when you're in school and stuff like that. And so, like, just this transition of, like, joining a Royal Military Academy, going through a Blue Beret um, parade with your father handing you your beret. Um, like, just that transition has been really cool. Um, so I thought that was really awesome, and that was my personal favorite. Um, so with that, we are now going to move on to the British Royal Family's Highlights of the Year. So I wasn't sure I was going to do this. Um, I kind of thought I would talk quickly, um, but I'm not going to because I don't want to. And so I am going to sp um, split this up into two episodes um, uh, that I will post. So I'll post this one um, for Saturday and then I will post, um, I'll record the second part. I'll probably honestly record the second part tonight if I do that. I'll put it up on um, Sunday and then uh, go back to normal kind of podcasting on Tuesday. So, um, but without, we'll see what happens. Um, I'll give you more of an update when I see how long this truly is. Right now it's 15 minutes already um, and we're just in the second royal family with six more to go. So, um... We are going to talk now about the kind of highlights or, like, yeah, I guess, um, like, the most important parts of 2020 in the UK. Um, where to even, <laughs> where to even start? Um, you know, I feel like as the most followed royal family in the world, they have kind of, like, defined this year. Um, but a lot of it is in things I don't want to talk about. Um, 
you can listen to the very early episodes of this podcast to hear more about, like, what seemed to define the beginning of the year. Um, but I don't want to talk about it anymore, and I'm not going to. So, we're moving on past the giant elephant in the room. Um, and really, you know, this year, the, obviously the pandemic, like, really covered the whole year. Um, it, it was the epicenter of, like, what was talked about. Um, and it, it defined, of course, as it did all of our lives, but it defined their lives so, and, like, the way we follow them so specifically, um, because there weren't annual traditions that we are, that I am so accustomed to, like, those just didn't happen, um, and so the things that, like, are important and that we, that I would normal, that I would think I would talk about didn't happen this year, um, and also there was just, like, so much BS happening with other members of the family that I don't talk about anyway, um, that it just, like, wasn't a great year for them. Wasn't a great year for anybody, but, like, wasn't a great year for the British Royals. So, I do want to pick up on, like, some of the really big things that did happen. Um, in January, before the pandemic, there was the launch of, um, a five big question survey that the Duchess of Cambridge launched as part of her like early years initiative um, that came with a tour of early childhood care centers um, and just like a really big launch and then later on this year uh, the launch of like the results from that survey were released um, and so that was a big thing and then her other big project um, came out of the pandemic and it was called hold still which was a photograph competition um with the the national portrait gallery i think um so there's the national gallery and then there's the national portrait gallery and I'm pretty sure Kate is the patron for the National Portrait Gallery. I'm going to be so mad if I'm wrong. Um, but she launched that project and received a historic amount of submissions. Um, the gallery was able to put that on, like, a tour as a fundraiser um, because they, due to the pandemic and other things, were not able to be open really at all this year. Um, I also think there were, like some internal renovations and stuff happening like that as well. Um, but still, like, a lot going on. Um, let's see. What else happened in the British royal family? Um, let's see. There's the news that royal family members were catching COVID. Um, so Prince Charles was the first, at least of the royals, that I have talked about to get COVID, um, and that was a big deal because it was so early on, um, you know, I think it was in April, and it was so early on in the pandemic that it was a lot scarier 
than it is now. You know, now you hear someone gets COVID and you don't immediately think death, which is all I thought in April. Um, that was truly concerning. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's fine. Like, he is totally fine. Um, but it did definitely define the year for him. Um, yeah, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of other things that happened in the British royal family that are, like, super exciting or anything that aren't um, drama <laughs> filled um because that's that's not my style um let's see uh queen elizabeth's granddaughter princess beatrice um was due to get married maybe in the summer um but pandemic and so that didn't happen on the date planned um but they did uh her and her now husband did get married um at Windsor and um, Queen Elizabeth and the Duke of Edinburgh were in attendance um, and it was just like you know kind of the last royal wedding of this generation so Queen Elizabeth still does have two unmarried grandchildren um, but they're young like 18 and 10 or something like that so um, there won't be a royal wedding for quite a while at this point now. Um, and so that was like a big deal. It was a beautiful wedding. Uh, Princess Beatrice wore an old um, gown of her grandmother's, of Queen Elizabeth's, um, that had been kind of restyled for a church wedding. Um, and it was just like a really cool thing. It was a great ceremony. Um, or a great photo set. We didn't see the ceremony or anything like that. It was literally, here's a photo. Um, it was great, though. It was a very COVID-friendly way to do this, and that's what we're looking for in life right now. Um, so, yeah, that's, I mean, that is kind of, like, the top, here are the highlights for the British royal family. Um, I did love, like, the, the adaptation, that, adapted events. Um, Tripping of the Color was really cool this year um, in terms of like just the way they adapted it to fit a pandemic. Um, I missed the balcony scene. I Like I missed a lot of things. Um, I yeah I like I said I went through kind of like this whole year um, for all these royal families to do like a uh, picture every month type of deal on the website, which you can go check out. Um, I'm still working on them, but like you can go check them out um, on thedailyroyal.com. And it, um, I don't know, it's just something cool and different. And, um, you know, I liked the way different royal families adapted different annual events that we see all the time in the same way. Um, but I also missed them because they're the same every year. Um, and the continuity of that is really helpful. Um, and so that was, that was hard. Um, but yeah, with that, um, 
we are going to go ahead and move on now to the Danish royal family and talk about the highlights over there. Denmark is a country that I would like to follow, I think, in a non-pandemic year. Um, I, I don't know. I never followed them that closely pre this podcast. I, of course, did follow them extremely closely this year. But of three members, working full-time working members of the royal family, like, they each had about 50 engagements. Um, (laughs) You know, there wasn't a lot to follow throughout the year. It averaged to one a week. Um, And that's fine. It's a pandemic, I completely understand. Um, But they, if the work that they were doing behind the scenes or through their charities or stuff like that, they didn't share. Um, So my count comes from what's shared on the royal family's website. That is like my official count. That's what I try to just talk about. Um, Sometimes I'll mention like some charity events here or there, but for the most part, my information comes from the royal household source. Um, And this year was just, (laughs) it was a challenge. And of course the pandemic was because, was the cause of that and like very responsible of them to do so, but it was a hard year to follow them. Um, especially when I started, you know, the hope was, the expectation was, it wasn't even a hope, but, you know, in January it was an expectation, was that uh, Queen Margrethe would turn 80 and it would be this huge gala celebration with all the foreign royals in attendance and it was just going to be, like, amazing. Um, and, like, It was also the 100th anniversary of some reconciliation happening between different parts of Denmark. Um, Like, there were just all these things that were supposed to happen that didn't. Um, Denmark is the country, I think, that had the most canceled events um, that were going to be such high, high profile. So... It was a hard year to follow them because of that. Um, You know, every day it felt like there was a new cancellation notice, um, a new adaptation notice. Like, of course, I understand why. Like, I get it completely. Um, But it was just, like, so many cancellations and so many things um, because there were a lot of big anniversary birthday celebrations and things that had to do with that that were all had to be canceled um and so you know I think that was like really hard um and then also like the other news that came in the summer is that Queen Margrethe's youngest son had a stroke 
Um, and so the recovery from that and like the family toll that that must have taken, you know, there was just like a lot of bad news for Denmark. Um, but I will say probably hands down, you know, I, I've had a lot, I've obviously focused on this year a lot in terms of like royal watching and like, I have to say hands down, possibly my favorite moment throughout the year was this video compilation and I talked about it yesterday in yesterday's episode too is the video compilation that the Danish royal house released of kind of all of the royals that I talk about plus the grand duke and duchess of Luxembourg coming into like a video call and I don't know if it was all with each other or it didn't, it certainly didn't look like it. Um, it looked like individual video messages were kind of all compiled together. But out of that, it was kind of everybody coming together and wishing Queen Margrethe a happy birthday in the middle of a pandemic. So her birthday, I think is April 14th. It's between the 14th and the 16th. I don't know which of those three days it falls on. Um, I think it's the 14th, but it might not be. Um, and so that was, you know, countries had kind of just started locking things down. Um, I know, like my country specifically, we went into lockdown kind of like the fifth, uh, my state, not my country. My country never went into like a federal lockdown type of thing. Um, but my state went into like a lockdown stay at home order effective i think like march 15th to 18th time frame um and it was so a month after that you know we're all kind of we were all kind of living in hope that by easter this thing would be gone. Um, well, it wasn't clearly because we we've just had New Year's, um, but the hope was that it would be gone by Easter. Um, but things were starting to get canceled, and um, you know it was just kind of like a hard time. And I know I specifically was like having a really hard time with the cancellations. Um, my life didn't really change because of COVID. I still worked. Um, I still work. Like, I still do the same job I was doing in April. Um, those things didn't change for me. What did change was the way I was talking about royal families literally every day. And there was nothing to talk about. So the cancellations for me were the hardest part, um, especially at the beginning. You know, I had kind of thought like, okay, the royal families are going to go into lockdown. I'll come up with a few things to last me like a month. Um, so I was able to put like out a month worth of 20 minute podcasts, um, even when the royals weren't doing anything. Well, I came out of, you know, a two week quarantine because I was in quarantine at the very, very beginning. Um, I came out of that, I did my like month's worth of episodes that would get us to 20 minutes and 
then I was out. And then the cancellations kept coming. And I ran out about the same time of Queen Margaretha's birthday. And when that happened, I realized how challenging this year could potentially become. Um, Especially, like, in terms of trying to start a new podcast. Starting a podcast and then having a global pandemic happen has been very hard. um, Just in terms of, like, the way this podcast specifically runs. And so Queen Margaretha's birthday was, like, a catalyst for this. It was, like, a moment. Um, But then this video came out of, like, all these royal families just wishing her a happy birthday. And I was like, oh, much like we are all learning to adapt, the royals will adapt to COVID and COVID lifestyle. Um, And they did. But this was, like, the moment that I was, like, hopeful and excited again um, because of this video and, like, the way that people found a way to adapt. So that was my, like, again, all-time favorite moment from any royal family. Um, And it was all of them, so it was great. Um, So, yeah, that's what was going on in Denmark throughout the year. Those were, like, the highlights of the year. Um, So now we are going to go ahead and move on into the Dutch royal family. Um, And then... I'm going to keep recording, but this will be the last one of this episode. Um, I will post them at the same time. So you can just move right on to part two or you can, you know, listen to part two another time. Um, But it'll be, we'll split, I'll split it up that way. Um, Two episodes, um, but I'll record them all at one time. So you can have them all at one time. Um, But if you want to take a break, do whatever you need to do. Uh, Sounds good. So let's move on to the Dutch royal family and then we'll end this episode. If you're a longtime listener of this podcast, you know that the Dutch royal family and I had a love-hate relationship this year. There were moments where I thought they were doing a great job. And then there were moments that I wanted to end the whole podcast because I couldn't stand talking about them. Hello, December. In case you're wondering, some of that December break was because I just didn't know how to keep this podcast going while still talking about them because I had a hard time. Um, But we're going to go through it. I will say King William Alexander's Christmas speech actually gave me, like, a newfound confidence in him and talking about him and his family. Um, And so, yeah, it was a tough year for them. Um, And so because of that, I kind of am still struggling in terms of how to talk about them, but I want to do kind of like a here are the two moments that stood out the most to me. Um, one was early on the, uh, like pre pandemic in March, literally like as the pandemic was really starting to happen, King William Alexander and Queen Maxima were on a state visit. Uh, they were on a visit to Indonesia, uh, which was a former Dutch colony that has been independent, but were 
um, there was a war for them to receive their independence. So that was in March. And there were like all these beautiful moments. Um, the scenery was beautiful. It was the only, it was the only state visit this year. Um, because we live in a pandemic. Um, and so like, it was, it was great. It was really awesome to follow. It was in March. So it was really early on in this podcast. Um, it was a cool thing to follow. It was hard because of time differences. Like it was so hard and it was awesome. Um, and so that was like just a really cool moment, um, that I truly loved. And I think it, it could have been, if we didn't live in a pandemic, it could have been a great moment. Um, however, we live in a pandemic now. Um, 2020 has taught us a lot, has taught all of us a lot about leadership and true leadership and what all of that means. And so for me, the hardest part from following the Dutch Royals this year was, I think, what was the hardest for most of the Dutch people. Um, you know, surveys have come out and King Willem Alexander's approval and trust ratings have tanked dramatically, um, like 30 point drops um, because of this event. And of course, that event is in October, um, right after some pretty intense travel restrictions were announced in the Netherlands, King Willem Alexander and his family went to have a private vacation in Greece, um, where they own a home and they were not breaking any rules or regulations. Everything was within regulation, within the law, um, and was, you know, it was, it was okay legally. It had a huge PR fallout astronomical PR fallout. Um, video apology was done by Willem Alexander and Maxima. Um, and, you know, I think what it showed me is there's this quote, and I don't know where it came from, but like, when you do what's right when no one is looking, that's like what makes you a good person. Um, if you're doing something wrong because no one's looking and you can get away with it, I think that's like the hard part. Um, and I'm not saying, my God, in a year like we've had, going to Greece on a vacation is not the worst thing a person can do at all. Um, is it great? No. But do I think now, <laughs> months later, do I think that Willem Alexander and Maxima are bad people because of it? No, I don't. I think they, I hope this is the optimistic side of me and this is why I'm giving them at least a six month extension on this podcast is I'm hopeful that this has taught them 
that they don't get to do whatever they want um, and that they do have a duty and responsibility to the people of the Netherlands um, to lead by example, to work with them through a pandemic um, and not just be this like ornamental figurehead. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see that develop. Um, I think it'll be a really interesting thing to see and have happen. Um, but that for sure, for me, unfortunately, is the defining moment of the year um, for them. And there were other like really cool moments. You know, I'm thinking of specifically like summer photo sessions. They were one of the first, Europe did this great thing. And I don't really know if it happened anywhere in the States, maybe in New York it did, um, where Europe did this really great thing where like they all stood on their balconies of their apartment complexes and clapped and like the Dutch royals were the first royals to publicly do that. Um, you know, it, it's not that it meant anything literally, but like they were right there. They were right with their people. Um, and so I thought that was like so important and that was like a huge highlight for the year. Um, But it just shows like how quickly some good work can be undone by a hefty amount of bad um, or one bad event. And so like, yeah, that is the defining moment. There were other moments that were good, um, but there weren't a lot that stood out after I got to the point of frustration, which I got to. Um, so to end on a horrible note, um, that is the end of this episode. Like I said, you can absolutely 100% go listen to part two right now. Um, but I'm going to give my voice a little rest and get this one edited and uploaded. Um, and then we will move on to our next episode, which will cover like the highlights of Norway, Spain, and Sweden. So I will catch you all there. Um, and I will talk to you then. Bye.